Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash complete developer podcast. We've had conversations about emotional intelligence, goal setting, journaling, and a lot of other topics. Each one is sort of a part of helping you to better understand yourself. Increasing your self-awareness will allow you to not only know why you do the things you do, but it will allow you to control your own behavior, especially in highly emotional situations. In this episode, we're going to kind of put these together and talk about some tips to increase your self-awareness. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? I... uh I have been digging into the uh, the Russian grammar and reading. I can typically sound out Cyrillic now uh, reasonably well, and wow. uh, like it, yeah, it's. I mean, it's totally opened a whole new world. But um, <laughs> I kind of shot myself in the foot, man. I I went to my parents' house last weekend, and my family was kind of stressed out because there's some work that needs to be done on the house, and it's taking forever. Yada yada, and when you have other people mixing drinks and you're working on Russian homework and the teacher wasn't completely clear on what you need to do. So you just do all of it. Mm -hmm. That seems like a good thing, right? But I forgot what used to happen in school. They're like, oh, obviously I made this too easy for you. So yeah, I got got. I've got like five pages of stuff to do um, for next time. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So it's cool though. I mean, I'm I'm really enjoying it. It's, uh, It's pushing me and it's not tech. So it's That's a break really cool. from all the other stuff. Like, you know, things are stressful when you're like, yeah, I'm going to learn a foreign language to get away from this. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm doing good on that. I'm, uh, I'm, you know, really enjoying a lot of stuff I'm doing right now because, you know, work, you know, work is a little bit rough with the database stuff and there's just so much of it. But uh, most everything else is pretty calm and pretty simple. You know, school's just about out. In fact, the last day of school was today. And so my mm-hmm. daughter, you know, I won't have to take her in, in the morning so I can leave a lot earlier to get to the office. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> so how about you? I got new strings on my guitar talking about things that are, are fun, not tech related, but pushing us. You know, you're, you're learning the foreign language. I'm learning to play the guitar. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I broke the high E string on my guitar earlier this week when I was playing. And so I, I took it in, got got new strings on there. Oh my goodness. It sounds like a whole new guitar. It, it's just, it's amazing. Of course, you know, I've, I've had the thing since I was a teenager and I probably the last time I changed the strings on it was 10, 15 years ago. Last time I played it, tried to play it. I mean, you know, I've, I've tried multiple times to learn. This is, yeah, I finally figured out that it's not it. Well, playing is a talent. It's also a skill. And you've got to drill the daylights out of it, no matter oh, yeah. what. Yeah, it's like learning a new language. Um, it really is. You, you just have to practice and practice and practice. Well, I mean, you and end up using words like e-string and declension. <laughs> <laughs> right? you know? you're, like the, you're like the guy in Lord of the Rings. It's like standing there and he's like, how did it come to this? <laughs> well, for me, it's really cool because I've always really liked hanging out with musicians. Like most of my friends played something. I have a lot of friends that have like gone into the music industry from growing up. And so I, I get along with musicians really well, just personality wise. And now that I'm learning, it's it's so fun because I'm seeing a whole new level with some of the friends, some friends that I've had for years. Suddenly, if they find out, oh, you're learning guitar, you speak my language. Yeah. It, it was like when... Um, when I decided to go to medical school, I was working at the psychiatric hospital and some of the doctors there that were super shy, super quiet, that never talked to me suddenly blossomed. I was one of them. Yeah. And it's just, it's amazing. Like, like I said, people I've known for years are just now having conversations with me. It's like, I'm in some elite club. I'm like, I, I don't even like, I've never played in front of people. 
Like I, I just like I, my instructor and me, that's all it's ever heard me play. Yeah. So, and have you also had the thing like where, and this is kind of a self-awareness thing. So it fits with the topic a little, like you get more comfortable screwing up in front of other people. Yes. As a result of that, because I, I have like, this has helped me so much because I'm, I'm in a room and I'm having to have conversations in another language. And dude, you step on yourself so many times. It's not even funny. Uh, podcasting has really helped you with that as well as public speaking. Yeah. Like but, the more public speaking I've done in, in the tech world has really helped me. But yeah, you're right. It's now I haven't, I haven't done a lot of stuff. Like I haven't been doing the guitar as long as you've been learning Russian. So I haven't, I haven't like played in front of people yet. Another thing, I missed the bus yesterday. I actually got to the bus stop early. And last week when I, when I rode the bus, there was a wreck on the interstate. And so like I ended up just sitting on the bus for an hour and a half and I'm like, I had to go to the bathroom really bad. And I'm like, like dancing in my seat because I had to go so bad. It was like torture. And so I was like, oh, hey, I can go to the toilet before the bus arrives. Uh huh. So I jump out of my car, so excited that I have enough time to do this, run to the porta pot, come back to my car, and it's locked. And I look in my pocket, and there's no keys there. I look through the window, and there's the keys laying in the seat. Had to call a locksmith. That was about $100. Good to see if insurance will cover it. Hopefully, they will. Um, the cool thing, though, is since I had to drive into the office, obviously, I missed the bus. Uh, I didn't have to wait on the bus to drive back. So I ended up getting back a bit earlier than normal and I was able to get to the gym before I went to church because I normally don't get to go to the gym uh, on the days that I have to work the AV booth because I have to get there early. Wasn't enough time to drive all the way home, but I was able to go and get a workout. I actually kind of pushed myself. I'm a bit sore tonight from it because I was still mad at myself. So I'm like, I'm just going to push. And uh, yeah, I kind of upped my weight a little bit and did a bit more running than walking. Uh, of course, if I'd known this was going to happen, I would have taken my personal laptop and done some work on the podcast, but this was completely unplanned. Something that's not unplanned is the uh, the new name for IOTs. So while we're doing this uh, this book stuff, seeing if you guys like it, we're calling it Beej's Book Club. Our next book is going to be The Elements of Computing Systems by Noam Neeson and Shyman Shockton. I hope I pronounced those names right. They'll be in the show notes, y'all. Uh, this is a book that I used as a text last semester in school. It's a really good book for understanding kind of the core architecture of computers and how they are designed and built. By following along with the activities in the book, you'll actually build a computer virtually from the logic circuit all the way up to the operating system. It's really neat. The preface and introduction give a good overview of what the book covers and how it's laid out. And next week, we'll talk about the first few chapters. So check out the link in the show notes if you want to get a copy and read along with me. Who's talking to us this week? Well, we got an iTunes review from Yay Love to Code saying, Fantastic podcast. Will and Beach really compliment each other. This podcast is easy to listen to, and I always make sure to plug in when I know I have somewhere to drive somewhere just so I can listen in. Since I'm starting out in web development, this podcast covers topics you wouldn't learn in the classroom. My favorite episodes have been the ones on health and the job search. Please don't ever stop pushing out more episodes as you definitely have a huge fan base who are eager to listen and learn from you too. Thanks. We're, we're glad you love to code. We love to code too. Send us an email with your contact information to neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com because we've got a complete developer water bottle just for you. Guys, if you'd like your very own complete developer water bottle, leave us a review on iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all our episodes to LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. We're also on Tumblr and Instagram. Check us out each week on Facebook and YouTube Live, where we talk about what's going on in the tech world and answer some listener questions. There will be no live event tonight because it is the 4th of July and there's lots of explosions going on outside our houses, some of which that I am starting outside of mine. Yeah, let's just Join hope the they all remain intentional. 
Yes. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Self-awareness is your ability to understand yourself. Being self-aware is having a strong understanding of your own personality and emotions. You know what motivates you and are able to use that to accomplish your goals. You also know your strengths and weaknesses and are able to use them to your advantage. All of this also allows you to better understand others and what motivates them as well. You're also able to control the way you present yourself to others. Now, self-awareness is not binary. It's not something that you have or don't have. It's actually a scale, uh, and you may be more or less self-aware in different areas of your life. To understand your own level of awareness, you have to be comfortable comparing yourself to others and to earlier versions of yourself. We're going to talk about some tips and tricks for building up your self-awareness. There are a lot of topics that we've covered really in-depth in past episodes, and we're going to kind of talk about putting them together to improve your ability to assess yourself and understand where you are and where you are going. So to start out, start by listing your strengths and your weaknesses. Uh, We each have a set of skills that we're good at and others that we are not so good at. And these are part of who we are as a person. They are not all that makes up who we are. What we can and cannot do sort of depends on our strengths and weaknesses. Uh, They will help or hinder us reaching our goals. The other thing here is they are transient and change over time. You know, your strengths will fade if not kept up and practiced. It's like the saying, if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. And you're surprised by losing it because you're counting on it being there. That's the fun one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you're talented at something, you're going to want to do it more and become more skilled at it. And if you stop working on a skill, that ability will fade a lot of times way quicker than you would expect. Um, It won't fade completely probably. But you know, if you, for instance, stop playing guitar, a lot of the progress that you've made recently would go away. Very, very true. Uh, What I think most about is math. Yeah. You know, we learn in school a lot of really complicated, detailed math. And if you don't continue to use that, like in our industry, we use it a lot. But in other places outside of us and accounting and finance type things and like outside of engineering and finance accounting, you're not going to use the math that you learned in high school and college as much. And over time that begins to fade. I've had conversations with people. We, we have a friend on Facebook that is going back to school and she's posted several times about her struggles with remembering algebra stuff. Uh, I remember she she talked about how excited she was that she was able to pass her algebra class. And I, I posted, I was like, hey, you know, algebra is one of the hardest of the maths. It's like everything beyond algebra is basically designed to make algebra easier. It's like shortcuts for algebra. And she's like, I needed that. Yeah. But because she hadn't done it in so long, those skills faded. Yeah, I even noticed this with my writing. You know, when I got back to uh, writing a book. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of, you know, there's a lot of discipline. There was a lot of grammar stuff. There was a lot of being able to edit my own work that, you know, had atrophied over time, you know, because I hadn't done like heavy duty writing like that. And that's one thing I really like about doing the podcast is when I started back to school, I had been basically writing outlines for years continuously. So it, it just worked like it flowed right into it because I'd kept that up. On the other hand, weaknesses can become strengths through diligent work. Most things that we do in life are skills that can be learned and practiced. Yeah, I mean, when people say that they aren't good at something, a lot of times what they mean is is that they couldn't do it for long enough for it to click. Yeah, or they didn't they didn't want to put the effort in to get to the point of being good. Yeah, because I I used to not like language classes. Mm -hmm. Like that was the bane of my existence in in high school. And it was a lot of reasons. It was all the memorization. It was the, you know, the weird spellings and all this kind of stuff. And just, you know, it just didn't work for me. And now I find it fun. You'll kind of go through that sort of curve over time if you 
if you keep drilling on something, like it eventually will become a strength. Well, that's like me with guitar. I always thought that I'm just not like, it's a talent that I don't have. I will never be able to play guitar because I don't have that talent. What I have learned one, due to the fact that I got into to programming and started mentoring people, and I saw people who, like, I have a natural talent for programming. I saw people who don't have that natural talent for it work very hard on a skill and be really good programmers yep. without the natural talent. And it, it, something changed in me over the last few years where I'm like, I started seeing things as skills and not like, oh, I'll never have that. It's if I work hard enough, I can, I can do that. Yeah. Now, and now you I, evaluate. Yeah. Now, am I ever going to be a, a great guitar player like Slash, who is one of my favorite guitar players? No. But can I play stuff? You know, can I play some Guns N' Roses? Can I play some Velvet Revolver? Yes. Yes, I can. Um, I'm not great at it, but I'm getting better. And over time, I'll get better and better. With enough work and effort, you can learn the skill. Even those things that are considered talents are skills. You know, someone who is super talented at learning languages or playing guitar. Or talking to people. Yeah, or talking to people. If they don't practice that skill, the person who is not talented at it, but works that skill and practices and works hard at it, at turning that weakness into a strength, will be better at it than them. With enough time, with enough effort. And the other thing on this is strengths in one area can be weaknesses in other areas and vice versa. Absolutely. So, you know, for instance, being outgoing and being able to talk to people, if you're working in an environment that discourages that, that can actually work against you because you'll right. you'll do it anyway because you have that natural tendency towards it. And And it's so funny you bring that up because that's exactly what I was thinking when I wrote that line. Because I like being around introverted shyer people as an outgoing extrovert because I like that balance that they provide me. I I they help me to understand when my strength is a weakness just by being around and hanging out with people like that. Now what you need to do is to take ownership of your strengths and weaknesses by listing them out. Yeah it's it's weird how when you do this uh first of all how you list stuff out and when you've actually taken time to think about it, what goes on which list compared to what you have in your head. And the other thing is, is if you actually write this down and own it, now you can actually do something with it. It's not a inherent trait. It's okay. I've evaluated and this is here so I can move it. Know where you're strongest, but not just know, oh, hey, I'm really great at talking to people, but know how to use that. You know, know how to apply that to reach your goals. Also know where your weak points are and have a plan to improve them. Like I know that my outgoing personality is weak, is a weakness in certain areas. And so I spend time around people who are not outgoing to pick up on some of those traits and understand, okay, how do I behave when I'm in a situation where that natural ability of mine is a weakness? Benjamin Franklin was known to keep a balance sheet of assets and liabilities of his own personal self. He would write down new strengths that he believed he needed or he could learn from others. And also, he'd keep a list of his weaknesses that he was working on. And this way, he could track his own progress to better himself as a person. You know, this is something I've kind of started doing in my journaling is going, okay, for where I want to be, what strengths do I need to develop? Mm -hmm. before I get there. Not, okay, I'm going to choose the destination based off of what I can do right now. Just look at it and go, well, you know, a year from now, what would I need to do to be in the position I really want to be in? And then work backwards, figuring out which skills I need to have and which weaknesses I need to overcome. I'm going to start hammering on them. And you brought up a a good point, journaling. Throughout this episode, you're going to hear a lot of things about writing stuff down. And so that is that is going to be a key theme throughout the episode. Speaking of which, the very next thing is write down your key plans and priorities. If you want to track your progress, you got to write it down. Like there's no other way to do it. Like you can try to keep it in your head. But in last week's episode, we talked about how, you know, 
six months later, you're going to forget what you coded. You're not going to remember things. Like I, I write things down as soon as they come to me. What's bad is when an idea comes to me in the shower and I'm like, I don't have anything to write on, but you know, well, it's interesting as as I that get you out. mentioned that. Um, I did a talk at microconf about this very thing. And there is a tablet that you can get that'll mount to the shower wall and a waterproof marker for people that are like us. Think Send me that link. I need that. Because <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. Because I brought that up and somebody was like, oh, well, actually, there's a thing because <laughs> I use it. You know what? Oh, hey, hey, here is a good example of a weakness being a strength. That well, actually guy. Well, actually can yeah. be a strength in that situation. And exactly. he helped you and it, in turn helped me. That is awesome. If and you need to know the dress people. color of one of Henry VIII's wives when she got her head chopped off, you ask that guy. They're they're really good at trivia too, by the way. Yeah. Um, so anyways, going back to what we were talking about, back to writing down your key plans and priorities. What this is going to do is it will help you to know where you're coming from, where you're starting. You can see where you're beginning is on your journey towards a goal. You'll also know how far along you are towards that goal. And it will give you kind of some direction on where you need to go, what you need to do next. Yeah, this matches a lot of, you know, the way that I've been, you know, working on my journal is that same mm-hmm. kind of thing of like, it's just a sequence of steps, then it's not yeah. some major personal transformation. It's just, yeah, just what's next. And it makes it mechanical, it makes it a lot easier to deal with. It's interesting. I had someone ask me recently about he noticed some of the major changes in my life and personality and things like that. And he's like, you were, you were a very different person a couple of years ago when we talked about this topic, but now you, you have these beliefs and this and that. He's like, what, what happened? I was like, there wasn't some big thing that happened. It was just a slow progression over time. That's how you make changes. That's how you change yourself. That's how you become the person you want to be is slowly with small things for the longest time. And all right, this is, this is off topic y'all. And this is, this is off script, but I'm going to tell you something, a little secret that I've learned about life. And Will's probably going to back me up because I think he was at the same place I was when we were in college. I kept looking for that book, that technique, that thing that I was going to read because I kept hearing people say, oh, this changed my life. That changed my life. I kept waiting on that to happen. I kept looking for it. I, I, I jumped around from religion to religion looking for that change that was going to happen, that big life-altering thing. I'll tell you, the, the one and only thing that was a huge, big life-altering thing for me was uh, not a good thing. I've, I've talked about that some, but that was all the stuff that I went through with with my family, getting divorced, leaving med school, all of that. The one big life-altering thing was not a positive change. All the positive changes, every positive change I've had in my life did not happen overnight, did not happen because I read one book, I watched one movie, I went to one talk and it changed my life. No, it yeah. happened over time. It I would takes agree with that. time. You, well, you do one little thing, one step at a time. That's the secret. That's the trick. You do a little bit here, a little bit there, and you keep making slow progression. And then a year, two years later, five years later, you turn around and you look back and boom, you are a completely different person. Well, that's part of what it is, right? Like you're not acting. You're yeah. becoming that other person instead of acting for a brief period of time and going, okay, I win the award. It's like, no, yeah. you, you got you to gotta be the dude that deserves the award. Under this, getting back on point, when you write down your plans and your priorities, if you need to make a decision, you can look at your written goals. Let these goals and priorities guide the decisions that you make in your life. They should guide all of your decisions, whether they're major or minor. This even means things like where you're going out to lunch today. Well, yeah, because I mean, weight loss or finances, like those hit that directly. Exactly. Or who you go to lunch with, that's your networking. Right. So small, small things, it, it does, it relates back to what I was saying before, small changes. It's not one big poof, I'm different. It is a small little change. You make a small change here and then you keep, you maintain it and you make another small change and you make another small change. 
Now, when you're making those changes, the next thing you got to do is on a regular basis, you have to go back and review them. And that's the value of the journal, right? Right. Um, is being able to look back and go, okay, three years ago, here's the spot I was in compared mm-hmm. to now. Yeah. Because that will reinforce the decisions you've made. It'll also keep you from making decisions that maybe are not the best one for the goals you have in mind. Mm-hmm. So you might be going, oh, hey, this is, you know, this is how I want to approach it. And you look at it and you go, this doesn't fit my personality. And especially if your personality changes, which happens. It's happened to you. It's happened to me. What you want to do is use this review to make sure that you're on the way towards your goals. And we talked about this in our goal setting episode, set aside a time to regularly review your goals. And the this time should be based on the length of the goal. So like 30, 60, 90 goals are going to be shorter than your 5, 10, 15 year goals. Yeah, the but they'll longer, be fleshed out better. Yeah. The longer goals have longer times between your regular reviews is basically what I'm getting at. You know, this almost... One thing I've noticed with my journaling is that doing this is almost like spaced repetition Mm -hmm. for remembering what your goals are when you need to remember them. And a little bit later on, we're going to talk about some continuity and some doing things on a regular basis and repetitively. Life changes and what we want or need out of it changes too. Like just circumstances. 10 years ago, I was preparing to go to med school. Five years ago, I was in med school preparing to be a doctor. Three years ago, I was at one of the lowest points in my life trying to figure out what I was going to do in the process of becoming a software developer. Now, I'm probably happier than I've been in decades as a software developer doing stuff that I love doing, doing things that I wanted to do when I was in high school. Like I, I am the person I wanted to be when I was a teenager. If that says anything, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Your life changes. I bet you in your 20s. Yeah. I was different in my 20s than I was in my teens. I'll be honest. Thank goodness. Yeah. (laughs) That says a lot for who you wanted to be as a teenager, I guess. Honestly, I think I I diverged and I came back to what's really my true path. But uh, y'all, if a goal is no longer a priority, you got to remove it. And this this is what you do in this review. Um, This is also a time to add new goals and new priorities that may have come up since your last review. No, my my life has changed. Uh, We we had a whole episode on changing priorities after my truck got stolen, and that was a fairly minor thing comparatively. That's true. That's true. Um, The other thing too is if you're feeling overwhelmed, things are too much. This is a time to review your goals and look at your life and be like, "All right, I'm overwhelmed. Things are too much." Is it because I'm at a transition phase where, hey, I'm, I'm making decisions, I'm doing things that are leading me towards my goals? Or is it because my goals have changed and I'm working towards old goals? Yeah. Or is it because I've just taken on stuff yeah. that doesn't match my goals? Uh, yeah. That's something you and I both struggle with is, is we'll get overwhelmed and then we go, uh, why is this on the list? The next thing to do to increase your self-awareness is to get regular feedback to fill in blind spots. Yeah, human beings are really bad about self-reflection. That's just not in our DNA mm-hmm. to really be able to understand how other people see us. And so you kind of have to have feedback from people that you trust, you know, that, that it's a safe environment. You know, there's not a criticism, you know, and it's negative and all that. It's just somebody can say, "Hey, I think you're screwing up on this one thing." Or what if you did this? Uh, mm-hmm. I get a lot of that from my mastermind group and from you know s- certain friends. Um, and I think you you get a lot of that from work and from these conversations and then from church, probably. I get a lot of it from church and the small groups I go to at church. And just I'll stand, especially when I work the AV booth, because uh, we, we have to stay until everybody leaves. I'll stand and talk to the pastor while he's just sort of, you know, unhooking himself from the mic and stuff like that. We'll have these deep conversations. And it's, you know, it's really funny. I was just thinking about that because he does that in his sermons where I kind of went off script there. He'll do that a lot. And I'm like, I'm picking that, that habit up from him, from being around him so much. (laughs) I don't know if it's a good or bad thing, but I'm picking it up. Yeah. So uh, the thing is you got to ask for feedback after practice Wednesday night before service uh, a few weeks ago. And I was just sitting talking to the band 
And we just got into it. And I was like, you know, this is an area that I'm struggling in. And I got some great feedback from some of the people. And you know what's amazing? Some of the people are like way younger than us. They gave me some good feedback. It's like, hey, I, I faced that same situation and here's what I did. And I'm like, you know what? You've, you've walked the path. You may be younger, but you've walked the path ahead of me. So, you know, you can, you can take feedback from people that, you know, may be younger than you. When you're asking for feedback, make sure that the person you're asking feels comfortable giving it to you. This means not reacting negatively when it's something that you don't want to hear. Best advice I can give for this is to thank people for negative feedback, especially if they're doing it in a constructive manner. Even if they're not, thank them for it. Because if they're being rude, it's going to completely throw them off. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is they're trusting that it's a safe environment to give feedback. Like yeah. you're, you don't want to break that trust and they're doing it because you asked. And responding negatively increases the chances that they're not going to give honest feedback in the future. Yeah. And by the way, this just as an aside, this is something that you'll see in really dysfunctional companies a lot is you'll see the uppermost management people surrounded by a bunch of yes men that never tell them something they don't want to hear. The other thing is you need to be listening more than talking when you're giving feedback. Another thing you can do is to ask friends to call you out on bad behavior. You don't want them to do it overtly, so ask them to discreetly let you know if you're behaving in a way that you wish to stop. That's the other thing is it's got to be something that you want to change about yourself. Yeah, I mean, we've got a mutual friend that is not the most socially adept person, putting Mm -hmm. it mildly. And I think he asked you to kick him or something if he was like really getting out of line. Yeah. He asked me to kick him in the shin if he was, if he was saying stuff that just was way out there and that shin got bruised, didn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, he got better though. Uh, he did get better for a while and then we stopped hanging out as much and I, I haven't been around him. So I don't know if he's, he's maintained it or not. So he got better in terms of with the behavior or his footwork with the behavior. Okay. The thing is, this is to help you learn to be aware of how others perceive you. You may be coming across in a way that you don't intend. And this is something that I've had a lot of conversations with coworkers about where I will say something, especially on like a text medium like Slack. And they're like, hey, you realize that came across this way. I'm like, oh, that is not how I meant that to come across at all. Now, sometimes it is how you meant it to come across. And that's a different story. But a lot of times it's like, oh, I, no, I didn't mean that that way at all. This is what I meant to say. Uh, or you may want to stop a behavior that you don't always know that you're doing. Something personal for me is I have a coworker who one of her biggest pet peeves is when someone tries to one-up her storytelling. I, I can see the problem coming. <laughs> I, on the other hand, not trying to one-up someone, but when you tell me a story about something, my way of relating to you is to tell you a similar story or tell you about something in my life that is similar to what you said. Because to me, that is how we're connecting. And that is how I make a connection with you as being like, oh, hey, I see where you're talking about. I see where you're coming from. I had something similar happen and tell you about it. That's not intended to one-up you. And we've, she and I have had several conversations about this. Um, because I told her, I said, look, if you ever feel like I'm one-upping you or trying to do that, let me know because I am not intending to be that way. Now, most workplaces will have a formal feedback process. If yours doesn't, uh, this is a value that you can bring to the table. To have an effective formal feedback, you need a few things in place. One, you need to have a process for that feedback to occur. And two, you need someone to manage that feedback process. That could be either an internal HR person or an outside consultant or facilitator. Yeah, you do not want this to be unmanaged and ad hoc because ad hoc feedback is called criticism. Mm -hmm. Some places have things like an annual performance review. These typically involve a manager and performance goals. In some cases, they're reviewed by HR or higher up management. In the best cases, the best places that I've been allowed for employees to add comments to the official review process so that there is like kind of a a little bit of give and take there with it. So another thing you need to learn to do, and this is something that was tricky for me, especially when I was younger, is you've got to learn to identify your feelings, but don't judge them. Uh, Your feelings matter, 
and you do have to learn to trust them, but you've got to understand that it, your emotions are amoral, not immoral, not moral. They're just kind of there. So they're not good or bad. What you have to understand is morality comes from behavior. So the actions you take, what you do are either good or bad. How you feel has nothing to do with whether it's good or bad. I used to teach an anger management class when I worked in psychology. And this was one of the really big points I hit on that meant a lot to a lot of the people. It's like so many people believe and are taught that being angry is bad. It's not. Anger is an emotion. You have to learn to let it come on. It's going to happen. You're going to get angry. What you do when you're angry is what is good or bad. It's not that you're angry. You can get angry and behave in such a way that you use that anger to benefit you. Yesterday, I was so angry at myself for locking my keys in the car that I went and, you know, ran almost a mile on the treadmill and, you know, upped the weight I was lifting to uh, a lot more than I normally do and really pushed myself. And that was good. I'm sore as I'll get out right now from it, but it, it's good, especially with, with working out and stuff to it every now and then really push yourself like that. Yeah. I mean, anger has a function. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I were at my home church this last weekend, uh, which is, you know, like where I grew up and I'm never really comfortable there, but you know, we, there was a sermon about anger and we were kind of both, you know, looking over at each other and going, I don't know that I completely agree with this. And, you know, it came from that perspective um, of, you know, anger being, you know, incorrect. And it's, yeah. I used to think that way. And it was, it, it is a extremely damaging way to live your life. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned church. One of the things that I've heard you say that I, I said at church that they really loved is, you know, Jesus flipped tables. Yeah. Chase people <laughs> with a whip. Yeah. You know, maybe that. That emotion is actually there for a purpose. Yeah, it is. Like you it don't is. really see religious figures that never get angry. What you want to do is start by noticing that you're feeling a certain way. Identify what you're feeling. If it's anxiety, anger, or excitement and happiness, you just want to say, hey, I'm feeling this way. And then look at the situation you're in and determine what led to that feeling. Why are you feeling angry? Is it because someone said something? Someone did something? Why are you happy and excited? What led to that? And then write it down. Yep. Track the situations and the emotions. So you want to make that connection. Because what you're going to do later is you're going to go back and you're going to review what caused similar emotions. So you can go back and look at, oh, hey, I tend to get angry when this happens. Oh, hey, I tend to get happy and excited when I go to this place. Yeah. In other words, I've got a tax bill coming up and I tend to get cranky when the yeah. taxes come out. Yeah. So speaking of taxes, we tend to avoid what we perceive as bad emotions. I like what you did there. Thank you. We don't want to feel anxious. We don't want to feel angry. We don't want to feel sad. So we just avoid April 15th altogether. Exactly. Unless you're watching a movie and then it's okay because like it's, it's art, it's media, it's it's designed to create these emotions in you. But in in general, we tend to avoid the emotions that we perceive as bad emotions. Some people even try to completely get rid of these negative emotions. Yeah. And this whole thing of judging emotions as being good or bad, this really gets you into trouble very quickly. Um, you feel a certain way for a reason. You know, sadness because of loss is completely normal. If you don't feel sad, at like a relative's funeral, there's something major going on there. Anxiety is another one. It's okay to feel anxious, especially when there's something dangerous going on. Now, if you're laying in bed at night and nothing's going wrong and you're anxious, that's another thing. But oh, yeah, when these feelings are overwhelming um, or when they're out of control and they control our behavior, that's when it becomes an issue. That's when you need to seek help. On the other side of this, though, we tend to seek out the good emotions. You know, we want to feel these. So you reward yourself for feeling these emotions. 
You do the things that you know make you feel happy, make you excited, make you feel good. But just as these bad emotions, you know, what we call bad emotions can be useful, the good ones can be dangerous. I mean, it can be addicting to feel good. Literally, the same neurotransmitters that are released, you do drugs like opium and heroin and stuff, are the ones that are released when you feel good. Like these good emotions. And you can look and see how bad those good emotions do to us. Just go to a news site right now and find a news story that's like a conflict between whatever major parties are in your country. And you'll see people that are acting out of feeling good for being judgmental and feeling righteous. And it comes across as angry to the other side. So the perception, this goes back to the perception of emotions and how other people's perceive you. The other thing with this is with these good emotions, you can really drain yourself by seeking that excitement or seeking that good feelings, doing that things. This is something that I really have to watch out for because I'm an extrovert, because I'm outgoing. I said this to my my sister. I've said it to both my sisters because they're both introverts, even the younger one. She's an introvert, outgoing introvert, but an introvert. I, I said, I'm peopled out. And their response was, but you're an extrovert. I yeah. was like, so I, I said, I, I was down in Florida. I said to my sister down there, I was like, you like the sun, don't you? She's like, yeah, that's why I live in Florida. I was like, what happens if you're in the sun for too long and you're not wearing sunscreen? It's like you get burned. I'm like, that's the same thing that happens to an extrovert. If I'm around people for too long without any sort of break, I, it's like a sunburn of extroversion. So like being an introvert is basically like being socially Irish. Yes. Yes. That is <laughs> what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of being socially Irish, uh, one thing you should be doing is you should be avoiding making decisions when you're in a high emotional state, whether that mm-hmm. is good or bad. Uh, yeah. Your moods are going to change a lot just day to day, and they yeah. range a lot in intensity. So you don't want to be acting on the highs or the lows. Act on the average. They can even change minute to minute based on what's going on in your life. You know, you may start your day off in a really good mood, but then you got to deal with traffic, a grumpy boss broken code, and that can change your mood quickly. What happens, We, like Will said, we got to be able to function regardless of the emotional state, whether it's a good one or a bad one. Avoid major decisions when you're in a bad mood. Yeah, when you're in a bad mood, you lose sight of the good stuff in life, just all of it. And Mm -hmm. little bitty stuff will jump out at you. And I mean, we, we get this, you know, with podcasting, right? Like you can have a thousand people that like your stuff, but you have one joker that's mouthing off about how awful you are and how dumb you are and how, how much of a hick you sound like. And that will ruin your day when a thousand people like you. This is one of the great things and why I probably will never podcast solo is because Will and I are great at balancing each other out on this. There have been so many times where either Will or myself have gotten just really upset about a comment that someone posted and the other one was laughing at it going dude we got haters that's like one of the best things ever that means we're making a difference we should get some more yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. and remember that conversation yeah and it's it's this back and forth because sometimes it's me that's feeling bad about it sometimes it's him that's feeling bad about it that's the thing that I like, I mean, going back to a previous point about getting that perspective from your friends, we we do that. We do that without even thinking about it because that's the way friends behave. Speaking of friends, you're going to be frustrated with friends, with family, with coworkers, s- dissatisfied with yourself. You, you don't see all the good things that are going on because you're in that bad mood. And a lot of times when this happens, you know, deep down, deep inside that what you're thinking is wrong. You know, when Will points out to me how stupid I'm being about getting upset at a single comment, I know before he says anything that I, how wrong I am, but that doesn't change how I feel. Yeah. You got to have the validation that that inner thought is correct. You know, sometimes you, you don't seem to be able to stop those bad thoughts. That's why you need those extra people. That's why you need those people to help you put things in perspective. Otherwise, what you got to do is just let those bad thoughts come. They're going to happen. They're going to force their way in. So don't fight them. Let them come. But then let them go just as quickly. Don't linger. Don't hold on to them. Yeah. yeah and this means don't make life-changing decisions when you're in a bad mood because mm-hmm. that's part of it. Uh, you know, That means don't rage quit your job. I've done that um, a couple of times. 
been like, yeah, I'm done. I'm walking. Yep. Um, now, in those particular cases, that actually was pretty reasonable long term and I got lucky, but it could have not been. I could have left a really good position. There have been some positions I've almost quit, you yeah. know, in anger and you don't want to do that. But also with this, you don't want to make vacation plans when you're in a bad mood either. Yeah. Uh, like it's okay to go, all right, I need a break and go look up stuff, but don't buy tickets. Right. Now, on the same note as when you're in a bad or terrible mood, you don't want to make decisions when you're in a great mood either. When you're in a good mood, you feel like you can do all the things. I'm thinking of the meme here. You feel ecstatic. You feel invincible. You want to take on all the projects. You want to do everything. You want to have your hand in every little thing that's going on in the company. I have this really bad habit that I've been working so hard to break, and I think I've gotten better at it to Will's frustration because sometimes he wants to do things and I'm like, no, I can't. But I used to take on and take on stuff until I crashed. And then there'd be two weeks to a month where I could do nothing. Like A lot of times I'd get physically sick before I would actually crash. And I've been there too. And I've watched people do this in their careers. You you just feel like you can do it and boom, it blows up in your face because you, you can't really do it all. You know, this is how and- salespeople sell you things. They get you excited about it to the point that you overestimate its value. You have to have it. And I mean, we've talked about this in some of our episodes on sales where there's a lot of techniques that salespeople are taught. This is why I like to take someone with me when I'm buying a major thing like a vehicle. I like to have that balance because I can get all excited about it and they can be like, dude, the brakes don't work. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but it's cool. (laughs) That's all right, man. I could just aim for something cheap. No big deal. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You got to be aware that you are more suggestible when you're in a good mood. Those close to you are going to have more of an influence than normal. And this goes to having good people around you. But also you can more easily deceive yourself into believing that you're further along or believing things about yourself that you want, but aren't true. So you got to be careful with that. Well, and that ties into the next point, right? Which is to learn to set boundaries with yourself and with others. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't maintain integrity by setting boundaries, you're setting yourself up to fail, especially for the achievement of your goals. Yeah. Uh, If if you, if you can't look at something and go, I'm not going to do this because it's contrary to who I am, you'll end up doing it and you will derail yourself from whatever you're trying to do. This is very big in like nutrition and weight loss. I know I had to set boundaries for myself um, about what and how much to eat. And I've gotten to a point, one of the boundaries I set was I'm going to eat until I'm not hungry, not eat until I'm full. You guys, you know what? Since February, I've lost over 30 pounds. Yeah. We're recording this in the middle of May. So like people at work yesterday were like, You've lost weight. I can see it in your face. Yeah, it makes a difference. It does. That's not who you're not the guy that overeats anymore. Like that's the yeah, the person you're trying to establish. And setting the boundary with yourself is probably the hardest thing because you feel like you can override it. Oh yeah. The thing is it'll also help you from backsliding and losing your progress. Because you'll know when you or someone else comes close to crossing that boundary. And over time, you'll even learn to avoid situations where that may happen. I mean, going back yeah. to the the weight loss thing, there are just certain places I don't go um, or I set myself up for it. So if I'm going to be in the office, I know I'm there every Wednesday. I'm like, all right, I'm going to eat some Chick-fil-A. I'm going to plan for that. I'm going to build that into well, my plan. Those grilled chicken nuggets are good, though. They are. Yeah. <laughs> They're top notch. The grilled chicken nuggets on the side salad are the best, personally. No, just four boxes of them. That's a bit much for me, but yeah. Um, Okay. (laughs) Setting and sustaining boundaries is a skill, y'all. It is something that can be learned. We talked about skills and talents earlier. Unfortunately, a lot of people never learn how to create boundaries in their life. But by setting boundaries, you are recognizing your own limits. There may be a time where you're learning or testing your limits. For me, this was grad school and med school. This was when I was taking on and taking on and taking on things until I crashed. And then I went to med school and it was just so intense. There was there was more than you could possibly do. I took on nothing outside of school. 
and there's still more than I could possibly do. But you know what? I learned by pushing those limits where those limits were. Yeah. And I think that's valuable to do every so often anyway, right? Because those limits will change. Um, I, you know, up until a couple of months ago, I had no clue that I could write 200 pages of content in two months. Like that was just not in my head as something I could do. And now I'm interested to see how far that actually goes. Same thing with weightlifting. Yep. If you, if you don't ever max out, you never know if you're making real progress. It's one thing to set boundaries, but you have to practice enforcing them regularly in order to maintain them. Yeah. And that means saying no a lot Yeah, in many cases. This also means getting over your FOMO or fear of missing out. This is something that I have a huge problem with, especially when I was younger. I wrote this episode, so um, I've got a lot of me in it, a lot of my issues that I've, I've either overcome or I've worked on or I'm working on. But I used to go out so much because growing up, I never went out. I was never allowed to. And so I got to college and I never wanted to miss anything. I was always worried that something fun was going to happen. Something cool was going to happen. Um, if you guys watch that show, um, oh, with Doogie Hauser in it, How I Met Your Mother. They- oh, I was thinking like Doogie yeah, yeah. Hauser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you, if you guys watch that show, uh, How I Met Your Mother, yeah, they talk about, there's this one episode where they talk about that one guy that always misses, like as soon as he leaves, the, the crazy stuff happens. I was always worried about being that person. Uh, and you got to get over that. Another thing is avoiding burnout means saying I need time to recover. I've done this recently to Will, to his frustration, because I'm like, you know what? After the semester, after like the last few months at work, I got to have some time off to recover. And he's like, yeah, but I'm like all pumped about doing all this stuff for the podcast. I'm like, dude, I need time to recover. You got to give me one month, just one month to like just recover from everything that's gone on. It could be now, it could be later, but I need that month. <laughs> by the way, you've got eight days left in that month. I know, I know. And I am, I am. So, you know, I'm catching up. I'm not recovering. I'm catching up. I'm looking forward to, uh, I hate to say this, but I'm looking forward to you being out of town so I can recover. <laughs> Um, on that same note, self-discipline is a trait. It is a skill. It's something that you can build and maintain. Self-discipline is going to help you focus and focus on accomplishing your goals. Yeah. That consistency that you build up when you're acting in a self-disciplined manner is actually how you get there. I mean, it's not going to be one jump. It's going to be just plotting for months or years. Little bitty changes. It's you make a change and you keep that change. And then you make a small, another small change and you keep that change. And you make another small change and you keep that change. Consistency is the key to discipline. Doing it repeatedly will build that ability to do it when you're stressed. I go back to my weight loss example here. You know, I. I go to the gym every day. You know what I started off doing? I started off just going and walking on the treadmill. I just wanted to get into that habit. Five, 10 years ago, when I would try to get into, like when I would get into it, other than when I got into doing half marathons, I would go to the gym and I'd push myself. And then I'd go the next day and I'd push myself. And I'd go the next day and I'd push myself. And after about two weeks of that, I couldn't do it anymore. And I'd yeah, stop. You couldn't push. <laughs> yeah. It's not that. It's that small thing. I started going in February every day, walking 30 minutes, slow pace. I started losing two to three pounds a week. That and and watching what I ate, that was it. Small change, little bitty change over time, built up. Well, it's easier to handle that because it's less painful. (laughs) Yeah. What this does is focuses you by putting you in control of your desires. Self-discipline comes about through setting and maintaining your boundaries is what we're getting at here. Like they, they are closely closely related. The final thing we're going to talk about is getting out of your comfort zone and kind of keeping an open mind. We like to avoid things that aren't comfortable. This may be good in the short term for a little while, but it's not a long-term growth-minded approach. Yeah. If you want to improve yourself, you've got to put yourself into situations that are uncomfortable. I mean, you know, all the stuff that we've been doing really here on this podcast for going on four years mm-hmm. has been pushing us into more uncomfortable situations. And it's strange how much stuff used to be difficult that we don't even think about now, like microphone discipline. Oh, yeah. 
or, you know, not being nervous at the fact that, hey, you know, 2,800 people are going to download this and listen to my voice when I'm saying <laughs> right now, I don't care. Yeah. And when we started, that was not the way it was. So I was doing some audio stuff for, uh, for one of my friends and I was part of the production. So I was dealing with my own audio and I noticed my audio throughout the entire thing was consistent. Everyone else's was like up and down except for except for the one person who was a singer and had like voice training way more than me. Like hers was super consistent. Like it didn't change. But mine was was a little bit closer to hers. And then everybody else's was all over the place. And I was just like, that's because of this discipline that we we've built by getting out of our comfort zone and doing that. Trying new things will teach you about yourself. You may not know that you enjoy camping until you go out into the woods. Java might be the bane of your existence until you actually have to write it in school and realize, you know what? It's not that bad. Putting yourself into unfamiliar situations is going to teach you to respond in new ways. Yeah. And this, you know, traveling outside of your native area is one way to get there, uh, especially if they don't speak your language, but even if they do, and it's just vastly different. Like mm-hmm. just going to Vegas and being out there, like if you're used to Nashville, Vegas is a shock. Try going to another country that speaks a different dialect. Ireland. Canada. Oh, well, or, I was thinking Ireland or England. Or the Canada's, Bahamas. Bahamas is very different. Canada's close enough that it's... It you, depends on where you go. <laughs> you have a lot of the same idioms in Canada. You go, you go to England and idioms that are completely neutral here are very offensive. And vice versa. Um, Yeah. And being in the Bahamas was very much like that too. Yeah, Emotionally speaking, don't hide or hide from uncomfortable emotions. You want to guide yourself through the experience. Uh, This may mean seeking help from friends or professionals in more extreme cases. It could also mean taking time to reflect and understand what and why you are feeling a certain way. Yeah, and ignoring your feelings or pushing them down really only holds them off for a little while until they explode back later, and it's much worse when it comes back. It's also very inconvenient, usually. So, guys, we've hit on quite a few things here in this episode. Um, Some things that you can do to help, like external things you can do. Meditation is one of them that will help you increase your awareness of the current moment and focusing on the here and now. We've talked a lot about journaling. We have entire episodes on journaling and you know the benefits of tracking your emotions and tracking what's going on when you're feeling those emotions to understand that better. And just uh, one thing that we haven't talked about here and that we probably should do more on is psychometric testing. So like personality testing and things like that are an area that you can look into. Uh, This is my background. One thing I'm big into is the Myers-Briggs type indicator. I personally am an ENFP most days, but the thing is, this is a spectrum. So I'm like right on the line on a lot of those. Uh, And look it up. I'll have some stuff in the show notes for you. You can get more detailed on there. You know, these tips are designed to help you measure and improve your own ability to understand yourself. The more aware you become about yourself, the better you are at making positive change in your life that will help to improve your self-awareness. Basically, they create a feedback loop that moves you further along the spectrum of the self-aware. That pretty much wraps us up. Before we close everything out, Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I want to point out something quickly that I noticed with some of the feedback I got from the April 1st episode. And one thing I noticed is that all the reactions, I think every last reaction I got was to the emotional content at the beginning of the episode. All the stuff I went through, all that, right? And people did not react to the material at the end that's like, hey, here's how you make your life better. And I just want to throw that out there because that's really instructive in terms of what we tend to focus on. We tend to focus on a lot of emotional stuff when maybe what we really need to do is we need to look past that for the things that can actually help us out. And you know, we all do this, right? 
the uh, the feedback on that episode was not an isolated incident. That's the way that human beings think. If you can get past that, you will be in a much better place than 99% of the people that you're around. That's all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.